these episodes are intended to be listened to in order. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, please start there. Previously on It's Nice to Hear You. Hi, I'm 32 years old, single, and I live in New York City. So here's my idea. I'd find strangers who are single, match them, and have them exchange voice memos with each other for 30 days. No pictures, no names, no one would be able to Google each other. I wish I had someone with whom I could share adventures in the outdoors. I grew up in New York City, raised in a small little town in Kentucky. It's now the beginning of spring, my favorite season in New York. But this spring is different. It's now a month into lockdown, peak quarantine. I'm stuck inside in my apartment, staring at a red metal outdoor bench. To be specific, it's the Ikea Brusen outdoor sofa, which I just bought. This bench is taking up all of the space in my extremely narrow entryway. Anytime I need to enter or leave my apartment, I need to step on top of it. I wish Chester could help me. He's this guy I'm kind of seeing, I guess. We discussed meeting up again. It would be nice to hang out, finally have some human interaction. Some distractions from my new state of unemployment. We made plans for him to come over. He agreed to help me carry this bench upstairs to my patio. But the day of, he changed plans. We made plans again, and he changed it again. I'm tired of this. This undefined thing is coming to an end. And so I let it slowly drift into silence. But that's okay. I have my quarantine calling. Hi, A. It's Jay. I almost said <laughs> my name. Bag is so I'm not really sure how this goes, but I'm going to give it a try. I think I usually go from flower to our tears. I would like to go to the more melodic version. Oh my god, I love this. This is perfect. You're listening to It's Nice to Hear You, Episode 2. Every day, I'm listening. The stories and lessons in this podcast are made possible by everyone who participated in my experiment. But I want to dive into three specific pairs that I learned the most from. This episode is about the first pair. So I spent time in middle school, like hunting on cornfields adjacent to my house. I had a great time in high school. I had a really close social group. We did all sorts of stuff, played sports, hunting, fishing, snowboarding, drink, did everything normal high schoolers do. I will call him Brian, our male protagonist. He's 27 years old, graduated from the Naval Academy. He's currently an operations analyst for the government and lives in Virginia Beach. At the end of April, he submitted his voice recordings for his profile. Those 36 personal questions we talked about in the last episode. I grew up with a strong sense of personal responsibility. That's what you're listening to now. These are the answers from his profile, 
which his match also listened to. Knowing that I'm responsible for my actions and the only person I can really blame if something goes wrong is myself. Listening to my parents talk about how I was in like third grade, that's, that is how I was. I don't know what made me that way, but I'm very grateful because it's let me have a pretty good life. He's a practical guy. For example, this is what he would save in a fire. My little binder that has all my important documents, like my social security card, all my tax documents, paperwork from the past 10 years. I'm going to grab that. But he also has a sentimental side. Also, it has a couple letters that I've deemed important enough to keep from different people throughout my life. And one more thing. He's from Montana. I wish I had someone with whom I could share my love for Montana. Let me tell you what, it is awesome. I will not shut up about it. I cannot overstate the love he has for his hometown. One of the more important things to me about where I'm from is the community of my small town. Very tight-knit community. I don't know what it was, but I think we all just realized the roots that we had and how good they were. And so everyone has pretty much stayed there. I plan to move back there one day. Yeah, I still consider that my home and those close-knit group of friends, my community. Now, let's meet his match. A perfect day for me is one of two things. One, getting up super early, going out, doing a bunch of things all day. We'll call her Isabel. Running some errands and then meeting up with friends and grabbing a drink, like just enjoying outside time, enjoying quality time with friends. I've also had plenty of perfect days where it's not filled with activities. It's more just filled with people that I want to spend my time with. She's 28, works in marketing and communications for a nonprofit, and recently moved back to Atlanta. Similar to Brian, Isabel seems to have a strong sense of personal responsibility. I certainly could have been a better sister growing up, um, more supportive and more caring Being raised by a single mom, I think I took on a lot of burden just being the responsible one and almost a caregiver more than a sister. And that certainly changed relationship with my siblings. Um, And it's been very hard, like, recreating that. She also deeply values her friendships. Being loyal within your friend groups, just seeing how we rally around each other, they couldn't be any better. On May 2nd, I email Isabel. Thank you for your patience as I listen to your profile. Based on what you shared, I am thrilled to introduce you to your initial match. B. Extroverted and sensitive guy with a love for Montana. Always listening, Eves D. Roper, Chief Listening Officer. The next day. She sends me her first message to Brian. Hey, so um, right off the bat, super impressed with your profile. You seem super down to earth and that you have a good head on your shoulders, pretty realistic about the things that you want and what you want to do and what you're interested in. And that was all pluses in my book. Even though Heather is bad at dating... At least my alter ego, Eves D. Roper, is good at matchmaking. Hearing you talk about like your friends and your family and growing up were really interesting to me. And just hearing how you do that, like hit a good chord. She's already imagining spending time together. 
wasn't allowed to learn how to ski because I was a dancer for so long. But hearing you talk about it, it's like, oh, he could teach me how to do that. Asks about his family and friends. I want to hear more about your family because I'm also the oldest out of my siblings. So just hearing your relationship with them and how being on the other side of the country has affected those relationships. Her message is just under five minutes. So those are just some of my thoughts. Hopefully I get a response. So this is how the matchmaking begins. I can't wait for tomorrow to hear Brian's response and then Isabel's response to his response. It feels great to be a matchmaker. But the next day, Brian doesn't respond. As I absorb his silence, I feel anxious. I know that not everyone will respond, but imagining Isabel's disappointment and not being able to do anything about it makes me anxious. I created this. Now I feel guilty. And I realize something. While Eve's the matchmaker is trying to champion a more conscientious alternative to online dating, one that is grounded in emotional connection and transparent communications, I am not doing that in my personal life. I did the opposite. I recently ghosted Chester. I stopped responding to his text messages after being frustrated by his lack of commitment to our plans. Now, I regret it. Back to the experiment. Even though Brian doesn't respond, Isabel does something unexpected. I know I already sent a recording, but as I was thinking about it, there's really a lot more I could say and probably should have said. She sends another message the next day. Hearing you talk about where you grew up in Montana, it seems there's a sense of safety and security and, and comfort, which is something I'm really looking for. Like, I love the island that my parents live on and definitely have that hometown feel. I really want to find those feelings in another person. I'm amazed by how communicative she is. Being able to talk to Brian, a total stranger, in this very intimate way, without ever having met him, without even knowing if he'll ever respond. Uh, sorry, I didn't respond. I had to check my junk email. Surprisingly, later that afternoon, he finally responds. First, I just want to say, uh, you sound awesome. You sound like a very cool, intelligent, athletic person, which is exactly what I'm looking for. And like you said, this is very weird, sending <laughs> these messages to somebody that we don't know, and they don't know who we are. But I think it's pretty cool and gives us a good opportunity to open up. The next morning, Isabel responds again. So I was very excited to get your message yesterday. I wasn't really expecting it to be 10 minutes, but I kind of loved every minute of it. Your voice is very attractive. Their early messages are full of enthusiasm and curiosity. So first off, I just want to say that I am surprised by how much I look forward to hearing your message to me throughout the day. (laughs) 
Then I got back from work and saw that U.S. 71. I was very excited and I was not let down. They're eager to get to know each other. Tell me about your dog. What would we do on our first date? Well, let me know what your hobbies are. And also, almost more importantly, what's your favorite drink and or beer? Who are your best friends? And then if there was like one I really had to like impress, who would it be? What is the weirdest thing about you? <laughs> you said your favorite drink was Coors Light. Have you ever, this is kind of a serious, serious question. Have you ever done the Coors Light Challenge? Very eager. I hope you get this at like a reasonable hour today so that maybe we can talk more than once a day because I, I would really like to be able to talk to you more often. By the fifth day, in less than a week, Isabel is totally invested. One thing I'm realizing in this is that I hate having to wait. She emails me to ask if they could have more than one voice memo exchange a day. I say no. Um, I, I feel you on the impatience thing. I'm the same way, but I guess to just trust the system to suffer it out and wait that whole day, which I find with once I read her explanation, which, which was that anticipation and imagination are important in developing intimacy. Wants to have a forcing mechanism to ensure there is space and time for our imaginations to take hold. So does add a little bit of anticipation and excitement. That can be a good thing. So I guess we'll just continue on this way. Within the first week, Isabel and Brian become comfortable with this format of communicating. I kind of forget that at the end of this, it is going to be a podcast. And I definitely forget that someone is listening on the other end other than you. Recording their messages, sending it to a stranger. I'm definitely still enjoying getting these messages every day. It has a nice little rhythm to my otherwise pretty uneventful days. Forgetting that it was once uncomfortable. I've gotten used to it in a good way. Listening to them in the morning, I'm actually still in bed. I feel like we've gotten to know each other pretty well. Here in my apartment, I too have gotten used to my new routine. I spend all of my waking hours listening to voice memos. I'm scrolling Twitter. Fun fact, I, apparently uh, Rudy Mara. had a funny little thing that I wanted to tell you. I'm surprised by their openness. I would like to go on a real date. Just putting that out there, plain and simple. They communicate what they want. You want to go on a real date? I am on board with that. I'm glad you put it plain and simple. I'm also surprised to overhear so much affection. I will absolutely be looking forward to hear from you when I wake up and I'll be uh, looking for that email. <laughs> to hear them willingly share so many words of affection. It's just very apparent how genuine and honest you are and confident. Um, and it's just really attractive hearing that, hearing you talk about what you want and what you're interested in, and you don't really shy away from that. So I'm very attracted to everything you've put forward so far. As I'm consuming all of this, I'm just... In awe. They make it sound so simple. Two people who like each other, communicating so seamlessly together. Why shouldn't they just say how they feel, ask for the things they want? Why am I so challenged? It's a good thing that Heather is not participating in this experiment. 
I'd be so bad at it. Hearing successful pairs like Brian and Isabel share words of affection is almost intimidating. Heather is someone with no words and rarely shares feelings. I'd rather not display any emotions and just ghost Chester. My favorite emoji is called expressionless face. That's the official name on emojipedia.org. It's the one with lines for eyes and a line for a mouth. Totally expressionless, with no visible emotion. Appropriate after someone makes a joke or after someone says, I enjoy spending time with you. I love this emoji for its versatility, right? In my emails to participants that notify them of a new response from their match, I include a prompt for them to consider. In the email I got from the person behind the scenes, they left me a little suggestion to read a quote from my favorite book. I select these prompts in hopes that it would surface certain topics that would take longer to come up naturally, if at all. I actually went to my notes on my phone and it was from the catcher in the rye. All right, so this quote, the mark of an immature man is that he wants to die nobly for a cause, while the mark of the mature man is that he wants to live humbly for one. So being in the military where a lot of people want to die nobly for a cause, uh, I just thought it was interesting how it contrasted what I deem almost more important, which is go back to my life in Montana and live more humbly, I guess, with my group of blue-collar friends in a community where won't be doing anything that special. Um, So maybe I just liked it because it's a self-affirming quote that says that I'm a mature man because I want to live humbly for a cause. It does speak to your maturity and intelligence to get that, but also to think about it in terms of your own life and realize that there's more to what you want to get out of life than just superficial things. Something that I liked you said was, your perfect day is waking up early and being busy the whole day. That is absolutely my perfect day, too. The days that I really remember are the ones that I spent with my friends waking up, going fishing in the morning, going to the breweries afterwards, and then chilling at our house. Being active is absolutely something that is important to me, so I think it's cool that it's important to you. Brian and Isabel have a lot in common. I think you might be the first person I've ever talked to in my entire life who, when I tell them about the Painted Veil, has actually seen it, so pretty excited about that. But they didn't have everything in common. We can work on you not having seen very many Star Wars. Being a little bit of a foodie, I might have cringed when you said Subway. I am the opposite of a foodie. Like food preferences. My favorite food, probably potatoes, because I could have potatoes in any form. I thought it was absolutely hilarious you said you love potatoes in any form because I hate potatoes in every form. (laughs) And temperature preferences. I like to keep the house pretty cold, more towards the 70s side of things. Whatever you said the temperature was is a little too cold for me, but we'll deal with that. (laughs) Although they didn't dwell on these differences, it did make me wonder, how important is it that we have things in common to be compatible at all? So I asked our rock star psychology professor, creator of the 36 questions from our last episode. Here's Professor Arthur Aaron again. We like to think we're attracted to people who have things in common with us. And and it does matter for thinking that's the case. As far as actually having a successful relationship, it doesn't matter very much. 
In fact, if we think we can get along well with someone, we actually prefer differences of interest because they're going to be more interesting. I'm interested in science and they're interested in music. I'm going to learn something. So we think we need to have things in common, but we actually don't. I spend all this time swiping for people on dating apps who have similar interests and are like-minded, but I might not even be looking for the right things. Maybe this is one of the reasons why I'm bad at dating. I wondered, what do psychologists think about dating apps? I found UC Davis professor Paul Eastwick, who has been studying attraction and close relationships for more than 20 years. I study how people initiate, how do they maintain romantic relationships. In particular, Professor Eastwick has done a lot of research around the effectiveness of dating apps. There's sort of a disconnect linked to the fact that profile browsing is often getting people to focus on things that aren't going to matter that much. So you can spend hours and hours flipping through people, but those coffee dates are kind of a drag. And I think that's because the apps are invented to get you to spend time on them, right? Um, So then when you let people filter on the things that they think are especially important to them, if the things you were using to filter are irrelevant on average, there's a very good chance that you're going to end up being disappointed once you actually meet this person. So... Spending hours swiping for someone that I think matches my preferences does not actually help me in finding someone more compatible. How do I find it? It has more to do with the way a conversation evolves and tracks and how that leads into subsequent conversations. It's these other vague words like rapport and chemistry. How do people create those sensations? Successful relationships are the ones where you started walking down a path that made you both feel good and you managed to stay on that path. You know, message after message and interaction after interaction. So maybe my experiment is going well precisely because Eve's D. Roper is a stranger. We might have an idea of what we're searching for, but it's hard to find because it takes time to know. As Professor Eastwick said, it has a lot more to do with the path, how it evolves and tracks over time. Just from talking to you over the past two weeks, you're probably not who I would typically pick for myself. Um, But that's been a good thing. It's been like a really good match in compatibility of things that we have in common and get along about. And then some things that are a little bit different about us. Um, It's probably better that someone else is picking a match for me than myself because I've had a terrible track record. Um, If we were to meet in person, honestly, I don't know if like we would have found each other. It turns out Easty Roper is a good matchmaker, but for strangers, not for Heather. But I still couldn't believe how easily and quickly I made this happen between Isabel and Brian. So I asked Professor Aaron why we become attracted to someone. We know the elements that are likely to lead to falling in love. It doesn't mean it can't happen in other ways. The biggest factor, he explains, is... Thinking the other likes you, that turns out to be extremely important. We like people romantically who we think like us but don't like everybody else. (laughs) 
So I guess we have to give signals to let the other person know that we like them. Basically, the opposite of playing hard to get. It's good to play hard for others to get, but not for you. In other words, if the person thinks you like them, but others aren't good enough for you, that's the ideal. Reflecting back to Brian and Isabel, they definitely signaled that they liked each other. I thought this was going to be like a gimmicky experiment and <laughs> got those messages from you a couple days ago. And I was like, wow, this is a very impressive person and cannot be more pleased with that. I'm very impressed by you. I thought that I wasn't going to like who they matched me with, but I really enjoyed just everything you said. I like the expressionless face emoji for its versatility. But from someone else's perspective, that versatility could be ambiguity. Perhaps Heather is bad at dating because there's not enough signals. Or any at all. Brian and Isabel develop a sense of trust and share vulnerable things with each other. One of your beginning messages, you had mentioned these letters. It sounded like they were important to you and you've obviously kept them for a reason. If you want to talk about those, I'll be interested to hear. So the sentimental type ones are, uh, I'm trying to think how much to say here. One of them is from a good friend of mine who I met a long time ago. I kind of had an off and off relationship with, for the most part, we just remained friends. That was from five years ago or so. And another one is kind of a goodbye letter, I guess, from the girl who I'd had a really bad relationship with and is a reminder that there was some good stuff. It's now week two, the halfway point of the experiment. Hi, Heather. Does this work? Can you hear me now? I arrange for two relationship coaches to have a check-in call with Brian and Isabel separately to discuss how things are going. Hello? Hi. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. Brian speaks to Nick Sparks, a relationship coach who specializes with male clients. What were you surprised by throughout this process? I didn't know exactly what kind of people would sign up for a project like this. And uh, she seems like a very high quality person. I'm kind of just surprised by that. How would you rank your level of intimacy with your match? Scale of one to 10. I mean, I've definitely spoken to her about stuff that I would not normally speak about even on like the first month or two of getting someone's, um, I don't know, probably like a six. Some of the stuff has been fairly intimate. Could you envision yourself being in a relationship with your match? I think that I could. So this is kind of like looking through a straw and seeing just a little bit of someone, but you're not getting exposed mm-hmm. to the whole thing. From what I'm seeing so far, I would say definitely, but obviously there's a whole lot more to know. Isabel chats with relationship coach Molly Godfrey, who specializes in working with young professional women. Hey, hi. Okay, great. You're here. Molly asks similar questions to Isabel. What would you rank your level of intimacy? I don't know. (laughs) There are so many things that I've somehow told him that I've never told anyone else I've ever dated. It's very easy to talk to him. I feel like I have known him for years. I feel it's like an eight. Earlier, you heard that in Brian's check-in. He ranked his level of intimacy with Isabel at a six. Could you envision yourself being in a relationship? 
I would 100% would like date him and be in a relationship with him. If your match told you before the end of this experience they wanted to be in a relationship, would you say yes? Yes. Okay. I was shocked that Isabel said she would date Brian before the experiment ended. Agreeing to date someone after just two weeks of exchanging voice memos. Not knowing what he looks like. Not knowing about physical chemistry. Not having met any of his friends or even knowing his name. I mean, I had been messaging and seeing Chester in person on a regular basis for months. Despite already knowing a lot about him, I mean, I even knew his sister's name. We had not agreed that we were dating. It just never came up or we both avoided it. But I guess in some ways, I can empathize with Isabel. It feels special to receive this kind of attention, hear someone reciprocate our affections. And we all crave connection, especially now. So I guess under these circumstances, saying that you would date someone you have a connection with does not seem all that crazy. But could this desire for connection blind us? As Professor Aaron explained earlier, the two biggest things that lead us to like someone is one, thinking that the other person likes us, and two, thinking that we have things in common. But maybe all of this thinking could blind us from truly seeing the other person. Seeing them for who they are versus who we want them to be for us. Thinking back on it, I don't think I ever saw Chester clearly. I was only seeing him from my perspective, and I didn't try to understand him outside of my own projections. Maybe he just didn't like texting and it didn't have anything to do with whether or not he likes me any more or less. Oh well, good lesson learned. If we were having this conversation over text, I would insert an expressionless emoji face here. Now, we're past the halfway point. It's the last two weeks. Brian and Isabel's connection continues to deepen. There is one thing that's kind of embarrassing that I don't know if I have expressed to anyone. They confess secrets. I get teary-eyed in a lot of movies. Like Magnolia, I had freaking tears just streaming out of my eyes. In real life, (laughs) I have no idea when the last time I cried in front of somebody was. Probably like several years ago. Even watching Mad Men, if it's a really good episode and something really heartwarming happens, and I get teary-eyed, and it's pretty embarrassing. I have never been in love, and I've definitely said it, but I've never meant it. It's, it's, uh, I guess it's a different experience for everybody. I'm glad that you felt comfortable sharing that. I've been in love one and a half times. First was in high school, the second, a couple years ago. 
The second one I say I was only half in love with her because it was more like a heroin addict loves heroin. We did not have a good relationship. It's a very complicated story that maybe I'll tell you one day. Make future plans. I do have two weddings next year, so I may need a date for those. Those weddings that you mentioned sound all very fun. However, I think you'll have to visit Montana in the dead of winter. Just <laughs> that would be hilarious. I have a lot of extra jackets. Continue to signal affection. I'm still shocked at how easy it is to talk to you, as if I've known you for longer. I think three weeks into it, I'm still like a little amazed at how much I do like you. I appreciate that you are continuing to do this with me. I continue to enjoy listening to your recordings on a daily basis. If there's any ever something that I'm like anxious about, listening to your recordings always calms me down, and I appreciate that very much. Isabel says in the beginning that she's looking for the feeling of home, but in a person. A house doesn't become a home until it's lived in. It takes time. Isabel even said that she wouldn't have picked Brian on her own. In listening to them, I learned that compatibility is not something we can filter for. I can't swipe my way for more compatible partners. Compatibility does depend on intrinsic qualities both people value, like gender, geography, age, but another part of it is just something that happens. This path that you go on and rhythm you develop between two people over time, if you allow it. In 1656, a Dutch physicist named Christian Huygens invented the pendulum clock. After a few years, he noticed that the pendulum of two separate clocks mounted on the same wall would always synchronize. Regardless of how individual beats start, or even when one of the pendulums is intentionally disrupted, eventually, they would always come into sync. Hoyens described this as the sympathy of the clocks. This phenomenon occurs all around us. Metronomes sinking, crickets chirping in unison. It happens because small amounts of energy are transferred between two out-of-sync systems. It takes less energy for two systems to be in sync than out of sync. In physics, this is a concept called entrainment. There's a version of this in linguistics. It's called lexical entrainment. When two people become close, mirroring takes place. They develop this thing called rapport. After hanging out with someone for a long time, we might start to talk like them. Our communication styles literally evolve towards each other. I partnered with a company called Behavioral Signals, a leader in emotion detection by applying voice analytics technology. By looking at how someone speaks versus what is being said, their technology can predict emotional signals like anger, happiness, as well as behavioral signals like empathy, engagement, and politeness. So this idea of being able to detect how someone feels by just listening to how they speak is super interesting. 
I was curious what this technology would say about my participants, like Brian and Isabel. So I get connected with their chief technology officer, Alex. Hello, Heather. How are you? Let me fix my audio one second. We worked together for a few months, and he analyzed all of my participants' voice data. When I saw the data, I was really excited. Alex was able to quantify some of the ways that Brian and Isabel became more connected. The speaking rate converges, so it's kind of weird. They start at very different points, and then eventually they merge. Like the third week, the fourth week, they mimic each other. It's pretty cool. As I listened to Brian and Isabel's messages every day, this change was not perceptible to me, the human. But the machine was able to pick up that their speaking rates basically how fast they speak based on words per second, changed by around 20%. Isabel spoke slightly faster, Brian slightly slower, and they converged somewhere in the middle towards each other. So I guess it's a little bit like those pendulum clocks, transferring a little bit of their own energy to each other. Approaching the last days of the experiment. It's kind of like Christmas. It's like a present that you've been shaking for a while. and You think you might know what's in it. Both Brian and Isabel are excited. I'm very excited to interact with you on a different level. How are you feeling about Sunday? I'm super excited because I can finally figure out what your real name is. But it's also a little nerve-wracking because I'm nervous that I will not be a priority once this daily recording experiment is over. So just going to leave that there. I planned a surprise. I told Brian and Isabel separately that I wanted to schedule a debrief call at the end of the experiment. Except I didn't clarify who was going to attend the call. Of course, I was going to be on the call, but only listening in the background, per usual. Hi. Hello? Hey, it's (laughs) This is Oh my God. This is very sneaky. I actually love this. For the first time, after a month of exchanging voice memos every day, they would finally get to speak to each other in real time. This is perfect. Oh my God. So, is your name, huh? After a total of 10 hours of voice memos back and forth, this is how Brian met Isabel. What's your actual name? Okay. That's not one of the names I was going to guess. Oh, my God. I don't even know what to talk to you about. (laughs) What do we do now? That's, I guess, the real question. I don't know. I wasn't expecting this, but I, like, didn't (laughs) think about it. Yeah, me neither. I think the biggest thing is that we don't live in the same place. To be honest, I would want to date you. I 100% would date you if we lived <laughs> in the same place. And that's like yeah. the hardest thing. Like, yeah. how are we going to meet each other? But also just having that dating conversation in general. Is so Yeah, I Google mapped Atlanta just to see how far away it is from here. Oh, it's not close. And what is it, like eight hours? I don't even want to know. Um, it's an eight-day walk, nine-hour drive. It's pretty far. Yeah. 19 minutes into the call, 
this happens. There are also like basics of, am I going to get your real phone number or are we just going to talk on this conference call? <laughs> I mean, I could just give you my real phone number. To hear what happens between Brian and Isabel, keep listening. We can hang up and you can Probably. call me on this. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> All okay. Right. Bye. I, don't <laughs> I will share that in the last episode. There are a couple more stories and pairs to meet first. I super, super appreciate you sharing that you're afraid I'll get bored of you. Oh. I just wanted to take a second to really, really share my appreciation for you sharing that part of yourself because it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, when you shared, oh, this isn't something I need to be concerned about. I had like a really yucky feeling arise in me, like really yucky. Next time on It's Nice to Hear You, the story about Robert and Katie. Heather learns a lesson on acceptance. Talk to you soon. Bye. Behavioral Signals is the sponsor for this podcast. They have created the fastest evolving and most robust emotional AI technology, enabling businesses to add emotion and behavioral recognition to their own software solutions. For more information about Behavioral Signals, check out their website, behavioralsignals.com. A huge thank you to Alex and Rana for making this partnership possible and for revealing this fascinating additional layer behind the power of voice in this podcast. It's Nice to Hear You is written and produced by me, Heather Lee. If you like what you heard, please, please, please subscribe and share. This is how independent shows like this one without a marketing budget get discovered. For more information, check out at It's Nice to Hear You on Instagram and It's Nice to Hear You.com. I work primarily with women one on one around confidence. That's relationship coach Molly Godfrey, to whom I'm so grateful. So much of the work I do is just tell me what you're feeling in your body right now. It is so hard when we first start. If you asked me when I first started, what am I feeling in my body? I don't know, anxious. Giving visceral words to our emotions and our feelings can be so transformative to actually then have a deeper level of connection. They really take attention to their biggest superpower. When you're in a relationship, you have to learn how to be present with one another. Molly conducted a midpoint check-in with all of our female protagonists in the show. Relationship coach Nick Sparks talked to our three male protagonists. I started doing this oh, about 13 years ago, really trying to answer the question of how do we connect. My clients range 20 to 70, a collection of really great guys who all have this desire to improve specifically at this connecting, sexual, romantic side of life, but also every other aspect. I'm so grateful to both Molly and Nick for contributing your time and insights to this project. This story would not be possible without all of my wonderful editors. Thank you all for giving me structure and revealing the story. Story consulting and editing by Katya Stepanov and Jesse Carey, co-founders of Rebus Experiences. Editing by me, Camila Kerwin, with the Rough Cut Collective. Story editing by Max Miller. Sound design by myself and Morgan Foose, who also mixed and mastered this entire series. Brand identity by Jen Ang. Website design by Lizzie Olson. 
Special thanks to Kevin Chang Barnum, Justin Shell, Corey Choi, Denise Yoon, and Rachel Schechtman for such wonderful feedback on this episode. Last but not least, I have so much gratitude for all of my participants, especially Brian and Isabel, which are not their real names, but they know who they are. So my prompt today wasn't really, I mean, it was kind of a prompt. It was a message that said, listen to this. So I clicked on it when I was at the bar with all my friends. <laughs> and uh, it started off you saying like, hey, B or something like that. And <laughs> my my friends thought I was watching porn. So, <laughs> um, so I listened to the rest of it when I got home. Me and you like saying hello to each other and snippets of our conversation. Hey, guys. Hi, B. Hey. Hey. So, I was thinking about it this morning. I have not sat down to record my, like, actual responses. How's it going? Hey. So, I haven't listened to your message yet, but I just went to Chick-fil-A. I am currently walking back from the pier. Today, nothing really exciting happened. There were so many things in that recording yesterday. <laughs> hey, so, I have a lot of comments. It's me. Hey. Hi. Hey, guys. Happy Memorial Day. I enjoyed your message very much. Hi, B. I was very glad to get your message this morning. I was also very happy to hear your recording. Hi. All right. Hey. I just got home from finally doing something. Okay, so...